In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Back on Track. This is Brendan. And this is Miss Vicky B. And we're getting political today. Oh my goodness, it's a hot <laughs> <bed> episode. <laughs> Hashtag social justice. I'm really excited about this one. <laughs> me too. This is a this is a big one for me. Yeah, me too. Well, first, tell me what's been going on. Well, okay, so there's two things that I want to talk about okay. really super quick. First is, I was watching Netflix and I saw this really great documentary. It was called The Art of Organized Noise. Have oh. you heard of this? What year did it come out? Oh, it, it's been, it's recent. It's like brand new to Netflix, but it's basically about of this production team, legendary production team called Organized Noise. They're based out of Atlanta. And as it as it happens, they produced uh, Waterfalls by TLC. Oh my gosh. Among other songs, they did also did uh, uh, God, what, what's it going to be by En Vogue? Oh, Don't Let Go. Yeah, Love yeah. by En Vogue. And, and tons of other outcast songs. Um, CeeLo, Goody Mob, uh, all of these Atlanta. So what's the artists. doc? The documentary is, it's it, basically the story of these guys. They started out in their mother's basement, literally like a dirt floor basement, um, and had a totally new perspective on hip hop. At the time, everything was kind of mid-tempo and sample-based. Everybody was, you know, Puff Daddy was really big, and he was sampling all of these old soul records and things like that. They had a strictly, like, ground-up production uh, theory. They're, they're playing their own instruments. They got local, in, uh, you know, musicians to come in and, and make the tracks with the guitars and pianos and things like that. Yeah. And they had a whole new... Uh, take an approach on hip hop and music in general. And after the big success with TLC and with Outkast, they were sought after, hugely sought after. Um, so it was just really cool to, to, to learn about them and about the story of their humble beginnings and then their rise and, and subsequent, you know, decline, but you know, their, their spiritual journey huh. through the whole thing. So that was, really so that cool. goes on the watch list. That was on the watch list. And then okay. another thing is I caught the Duran Duran paper gods tour with Sheik that opened for them. Oh my gosh. That must have been mind blowing. It was mind blowing. I don't know who to talk about first. Duran yeah. Duran was amazing. Okay. Simon LeBon is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, they did all of their hits. I sung at the top of my lungs, reach up for the sunrise, and I sure the hell dead. Was this at the Barclays? Yeah, at the Barclays Center. Awesome. Right, right. And but I think the sneakers, the like sleeper surprise, the sneaker the surprise, surprise was was having Nile Rogers there. Yeah. He came in with them during their set, but he opened the thing and did yeah. not only did he do all of the chic songs, uh-huh. but he did also did stuff that he produced for um Diana, uh, Diana Ross uh-huh. and Sister Sledge. And I mean, they, they just went through like a, a myriad of, of production. Do you remember me texting you last Halloween when I got to go to Bette Midler's Halloween Ball? And it, it, I, you remember Nile Rodgers and Sheik was the, was the entertainment? What, were they? Yes, so you yes, Vic, I texted you. Or something similar. Yeah. But yeah, now we've both gotten to experience. Man, I mean, I had a good time. He has been at the, the center of so much good music in our lifetime. Yeah. Holy crap. I have so much. And can still perform the shit out of anything. And he's just also just wonderful. There's Uh just something so wonderful about his presence on stage. And he gave this account of him going through cancer and coming out the other side of it. You know, and he, uh, he wrote that song with Pharrell Williams and, um, and Daft Punk, um, uh, 
God, why can't I remember the name? But anyway, the huge hit song that they had with Daft Punk, he wrote that after having come out from that. Uh, so, I mean, he did all the current stuff. I'm so glad he's finally getting the recognition from, from Yeah, he's kids. having a little resurgence, I yeah. think. And, uh, Lady Gaga just did I Want Your Love with him. Yep. And rumor is that she's going to be doing a, a track on the next Chic album. I mean, that excites me. Who knew that those words were going to happen? The next Chic album. The next Chic album. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's this last couple of weeks been Oh, like my gosh. You? I've been all over the place. Lots and lots of travel. But, you know, it's um, what I've been most struck by as I've been traveling around is how intense the election cycle is this year. And, oh. you know, this episode is is all about people who are brave enough to share their voice. And um, people are people are speaking out left and right right now. It's tense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I, I always just feel like it, I have a lot of friends and, and colleagues and family who, who get a little bit uh, upset or bothered by how uh, passionate and, and maybe polarized, that's often the word that's People thrown around. Um, by the- correct, with the, with the environment, and it's worse than ever. And I gotta tell you, when, I, when you look back through the archives, I mean, in, in the, modern era you can go back and look at the uh you know stuff that's been broadcast on tv from 20 and 30 years ago but then as you go back and read what was in print i mean our whole country throughout its history has been extremely um you know, divisive in its political rhetoric. We had a freaking civil war in the 19th century, you know? Um, So we've always had really, really passionate opinions on all sides of these political issues. And that's part of what makes democracy work. So for me, while I don't love all of the things that some of the, some of the candidates, frankly, you know, I'll be open and honest on the The far far right. Yeah. And the far left for you too, right? Well, no. Okay. Holla. No, no. You know this. I have very lefty ideals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that I always support, um, you know, uh, an approach from the far left that I think might not be, you know, r- reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely support the ideals and the ideas. Sure. But, you know, for, when we talk about the presidency, it's an executive position. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking about the kind of executive level manager I want to, to lead the way, that's what I'm looking for. When I'm looking for advocates in the legislature, I'm looking for something different. That's right. my take on it. Well, what we're exploring today is basically where the artist fits into this whole event. Exactly. And, you know, I was just um, a little while ago at this event with Kerry Washington. Okay. And Ms. Kerry Washington is a an exemplary role model on this kind of issue. Uh, she's not a singer that I know of anyway, but we all know her from all the other, you know, film and dramatic work she's done, television, stage, and she uses her voice constantly um, and is not afraid to speak her mind and and it was great. She was asked a question around this issue at the event I was at and is it, is it her role as a celebrity to do so? And she said, I always say no, it's not that I'm a celebrity that I have to speak my mind. It's because I'm a human. Yeah. Because I'm an American. Yeah. And that's our responsibility. And I was, you know, holla, holla, holla. I was so excited to hear her say that. That's and it was great. Um, it was great. And that's my take too. We're in a participatory democracy. People have to participate. And I want to talk about some artists who are not afraid to, to speak out. Yeah. Well, do you want to kick it off? Do you have a, yeah. a, an exemplary example? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I want to go back to a really intense political environment and talk about, you know, the protest music that was going on in the 60s and I want to talk about Blowing in the Wind. How many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? The answer, my 
blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Okay, okay, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah, so this version is the Peter, Paul, and Mary version, which really became the most famous. It is a Bob Dylan track from 1962 um, off of the Freewheel and Bob Dylan. And, um, you know, it's been described as a protest song for sure, but really the whole thing, right, is asking these questions and really asking people to think about, um, you know, to, to think about the choices that we make. It's ex- existential. It's really. very existential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's different interpretations of the song. It's not clear cut. It is, it is a little bit vague. And I think people kind of read into it what they want. But the Peter, Paul and Mary version, um, was just, they're the, they're the, em- the embodiment to me of this folk, uh, you know, political, moment that was happening at that time. And uh, I grew up with this. I remember um, when I was growing up, my parents would take me to Wolf Trap, which is in Northern Virginia. It's a national park that has a huge performing arts outdoor facility that's stunning from an architectural perspective. Um, and also is just really beautiful to experience the sound and there's a lawn, you picnic, whatever. The point is, <laughs> I would grow up every year and we would go see Peter, Paul, and Mary every year on tour as a kid. And so these songs became, you know, something that I just looked forward to. And it's, you know, it's uh, Mary Travers, of course, with uh, Peter Yarrow and Paul Stuckey. Mary Travers has uh, passed away awesome. years ago, which is a real shame. Um, I was never so connected to Peter or Paul, but as a little gay boy, Mary Travers was an icon for me. She still is today. I will go on YouTube binges of, you know, looking up Mary Travers uh, clips. And when you look at her back in the 60s... She was flawless. Oh my God, flawless and stunning. And what is interesting though is I think there's an assumption because of the style of their music being folk music. They came together organically. Okay, but did the studio put them together? It was a a producer that put them together and they actually, they auditioned. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, I mean, they were musicians, but it was... it's not the um, it's not like they just found each other on the in the quad on campus and <laughs> just came together. There was but a um, stylization put together. Yeah, like absolutely. Eye, yeah. Did you do you have any connection to Peter Paul and Mary? Well, okay. There's a couple of things. Um, I remember hearing if I had a hammer in music class in fifth grade. I remember that was presented to us. Yeah. Um, and this was the same music teacher that did an entire unit on the Beatles, which everybody thought was really cool. So this is the music teacher that I had was really interested in getting us acquainted with how music could be used uh, as protest or could be cultural. Up until that point, I don't think any of us were considering culture. And like, what does music have to do with culture? Right. You know, but it was really important. She planted this seed in me. Absolutely. And then <laughs> also, I, I, um, my mom listened to Peter, Paul and Mary on, on the records. I have to say, as, as you were, you were saying Peter and Paul and Mary, I'm like, he was listening to Peter, Paul and Mary and I was listening to freaking Sharon Lois and Brands. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I do what watching this live video. I have to say, watching, looking at their styling, uh-huh. it's crazy how our fashion has come full circle. Oh, and yeah. this could be happening in 2016 right now. Yeah. Really, in Brooklyn right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. When so, you go back and look at the old clips, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no question, absolutely, no question. And then also the other song I wanted to quickly mention that is obviously a huge one from them is "Puff the Magic Dragon." Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think I would. Do you love that song? Do you know it well? I, I here's another thing with my you know Sharon Lois and Bram experience of the world i remember the cartoon um and i had no idea what it was really about 
Well, I just I, I think of you, Vic, because the song, you know, there's always these rumors that it's about drugs. It's not. It was really a meditation and a contemplation on the um, the, the temporary nature of youth and a longing for yeah. for childhood and that sort of innocence and purity. And I, I kind of think of you when I think about oh, that. Well, I, I guess I'm just it. Associated with the the loss of innocence, somehow. no, 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 no. I associate you with, um, you know, idealizing that time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that when I was a kid that that's what that song was about. But now looking back on it, it has a complete deeper meaning, and it's wonderful. And They're great. One last thing to say about this song, in particular, "Blowing in the Wind," sure. is that there's also a really fun version um, that Dolly Parton included on her album. Those were the days in 2005, and I just have to say, what and every. Everyone um, who knows me knows how much of a Dolly Parton fan I am. And I, you know, for being a Southerner, for being in the world of country music, especially at a time in 2005 with the Iraq War in full effect, um, to put out an album of of throwback covered protest songs was really ballsy. I mean, that is badass. And she's the only one that could have gotten and away with it. And she's the only one that could get away with it. This mm-hmm. is the time when the Dixie Chicks were being, you yeah. know, crushed with bulldozers. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and Dolly Parton comes and out with protest music. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So anyway, I just have to give her a yeah. shout out for that. Well, you know how I always handle things. I'm always I'm always dealing left field. I'm always not taking the um, assignment literally, sure. right? So a lot of my Are you implying that I am? Well, thank no, you. but you usually... You're a I thought I would start off ways. with this, but Absolutely. thank you. And you always cut right to the essence, and that's the Known a writer quality about you that I love. Um, my first selection is actually from um, modern day rock god Marilyn Manson. Um, this is his second single from Hollywood in the Shadow of the Valley of Death in 2000. The name of the song is The Fight Song. Man, this is, I mean, you're saying that I'm cut to the chase. I think you're cut to the chase here. I guess here. I am. I guess I am. This is my experience with political protest. Yeah. This, this guy is probably one of the most important figures I feel like that we've had in our generation fighting the status quo. Um, the voice of the uh, the people that were not listened to, um, quite literally. I mean, that's basically what he was saying to to uh, the director of bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore, when asked what he would have done um, for all to all those victims of Columbine. Is he he would have done what nobody else ever did, which is listen to them to the perpetrators. You know, the perpetrators. Yeah, right. We're right. To, to all the to kids. all of the kids. There's a yeah. serious problem that's been happening in our schools. Um, and, and in our culture where we glorify violence, we glorify pitting one side against the other, playing people against each other and turning that, you know, commodifying that and turning that into entertainment. And there's a satisfaction that we get out of watching the thing play out. Could you believe that he, he and his band were initially blamed for that crime? Yeah. I mean, that is just. 
Shocking. Somebody in the media basically just drew that connection because the boys listened to them. You know what I mean? And or, it turned out they weren't even actually fans. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So, no, it was it was a total. It was that thing that happens in sort of the the fog of war, if you will. But that sort of immediate aftermath of a big crisis or a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The it, 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 the media completely made up this. They thing. drew the line straight to him. Yeah. So the cool thing about this is that the the whole styling of, of this album, the whole period that he's going through, he adopts this sort of like you know jesus you know crucifix like that's what the cover of the album is is him in that position where he's basically like the martyrdom for for this whole entire thing and he accepts it and brings out all the big guns and in this video there's like a a, a, it's like a a football game right of contrast the jocks against the nerds um hollywood versus the valley of death it's a double entendre of fight song right yes yeah Yeah, a fight song a classic high school or college you know like a chant getting everybody riled up to beat the other guy to be the winner to emerge the victor and destroy the other side you know what i mean and i really related to a lot of the music that he was doing in this album and there are these songs called like you know disposable teens and the nobodies driving the point further about like the you know youth being disposable and about um people being glorified for committing these heinous acts and achieving their 15 minutes of stardom by by killing people. Right. And there's an amazing line in this song that says the death of one is a tragedy, the death of millions is just a statistic. And it, it, he does a lot of ex- exploration in his sort of like dark Jesus uh, persona that he adopted where he talks about how th- there's something that's necessary for immortality for you to have to die a violent death young. And so a lot of the 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 information and the stories that were being downloaded as youth it's like we have to be involved in some sort of gigantic monolithic you know violent crisis in order to be and to emerge a, a, a like a, a meaningful figure it's it's crazy yeah and, i also just <clears throat> i find it so remarkable and admirable that you know while we have tipper gore of all people pushing you know this fight and 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 this fight on violent music as being the source of the plague on the, on our children and 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 requiring the parental notification warnings on explicit uh music yeah. which funny enough only became a market scheme because then everyone just wanted that explicit stamp on their record. But that aside, you have actually Marilyn Manson, whose music may frighten some who are unfamiliar with it, actually asking the real question, saying, let's look at how maybe our culture of glorifying violent sports might have a role in some of these issues. You know, really asking some of the tougher questions that nobody wants to take a look at. Totally, totally. That's why he's got my utmost respect. I'm in love with him and we owe owe so much to him. I agree. It's not my style of music, but I have tremendous respect for it. So what's next on your list that you want to throw down? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I would love to speak to, you know, someone else who was often misunderstood that we've talked about quite a bit um, and we will continue to because his legacy endures. I would love to introduce Black or White by Michael Jackson. Oh my god, this song 
it was tremendous. Do you remember the the night of the video premiering on Fox? It was mandatory viewing, Uh must-see TV. Everybody stopped what they were doing to watch this video. Yeah, absolutely, myself included. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, it was, and it was, it was phenomenal. And I think what's interesting to me about it, I mean, there's so many places we can go and we can talk about this song and this video, but I just think the, the courage of a man who, you know, we, had to wait until after death to really confirm so everybody could believe that he had vitiligo. Yeah. Um, we couldn't just, you know, acknowledge that we had to, we had to make it a real issue and, and a subject of scandal and debate. Um, but he did have it. Yeah. And so for someone who is dealing with that on a day to day basis to come out with a song about, you know, about race and what that means. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's really brave. It was really brave, but also really, it was so beautiful in the way that, the way that he visually represented it with all of these amazing dances and all of these cultures across the world. And he was known for his amazing dancing. Um, music being, the idea of music being a universal language, the idea of dance being a, a universal language, we all speak these languages. This is really what's on the, on the, the inside of us. That's, the, that's what I got to be the underlying message for at least the first part of the video. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, he says in the, it, right, we, the whole second part of the video is something <laughs> else, but the first part of the song, the, the main track and, and the first part of the video, you know, he talks about, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, be a color. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a lot of ways, there's a very just sort of, um, um, you know, UN sort of everyone holding hands, an easy way to interpret that lyric. But when sure. you actually think about a black man who's literally losing the pigment in his skin, yeah. that is some deep stuff. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just really struck by that. Yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot of pain and a lot of torture. Um, and looking back on his catalog and a lot of the lyrics and things like that, given what we know about him now, everything takes on new meaning, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, that was that was hugely... But I what's didn't... crazy is that in the moment, because we couldn't really... Because race is so sensitive, it's just amazing also that we have a song called Black or White, mm-hmm. and we have Michael Jackson, this iconic figure, and I felt like we couldn't actually talk about what was going we on. couldn't quite get there. No, no, it was like that conversation yeah. was off the table, so we all just sort of had to like the song and appreciate it, but you couldn't actually talk about it in open company. I didn't True. I felt like you couldn't. And it's difficult to this day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it really is. And I think at this moment, we have to sort of check our p- privilege as two cisgendered white males here talking about race. Right. You know what I mean? And recognize that everything that we say about this subject is is colored through our experience. So we have to acknowledge that. We totally have to acknowledge that. Absolutely. So about the second part of this video, do you yeah. have any, I'd like, I didn't understand it. I didn't think it was as controversial as it all got made out to be. I saw it as an expression of rage. And I guess it was like a metaphorical expression of rage basically on racism, right? Well, I think his anger. I think it was anger about race. Well, see, this is the thing. You know, the graffiti was added later because they wanted to make it very specific that it was about racism. See, I think it was much more personal in the original. uh, The original video, for those who haven't seen it, um, is at the end of the song when it's over, um, on set where the video is happening, there's a panther and and the panther is Michael and he transforms more into mm-hmm. his human Michael Jackson form in Alley and basically um, be, does a mixture of sexually powerful and suggestive movements along with very violent, um, att- uh, you know, bashing of windows and throwing mm-hmm. things around. And, um, you know, I, I really saw it as an expression of his own frustrations and battles, the internal shit that's going on for him. That was my impression. Yeah. I just think compared with what you see nightly on the news – 
um, that, that, that what he was doing in his expressive dance was so far less offensive than what people blew it up to be. And I think who he was and also what color he was had a lot to do with the reason. It, it, it's very difficult for us to be able to watch somebody express that type of rage. Well, that's what I was going to say. We weren't, we were so uncomfortable that a human could just express that. And mm-hmm. frankly, I mean, look, I've, it's not always easy for me to express anger, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they had to even add that graffiti and they had to add a title card that said, yeah. you know, prejudice is ignorance um, in order to make Americans and the world sort of comfortable with the violence he was. And God on, bless him. You know. He was always such a he was always doing that. He was always issuing apologies or oh, explanations. Yeah. He was always really trying to explain where he was coming from. Now, I, I will say you know, given 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 the situation at hand, it, it was a little like maybe a little strange to have Macaulay Culkin featured as heavily as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't certainly didn't help him out. Who knows? Who knows? Can I also have another track by Michael Jackson? Absolutely, that I throw he in was there? really political. Totally, give it to me. It's a few years later. Um, it was the fifth single from his uh, hits compilation, including his new album. It was called History, and the name of the song is "They Don't Care About Us." Super controversial. Yeah, highly, also highly controversial in another situation where he had to go back and kind of re-edit and apologize, but it was an example of him using a slur in the voice of the oppressed, in him embodying the rage and the frustration that he feels as a minority and speaking out on behalf of all the people that he's trying to fight for and represent, he employed a slur within the lyrics of the song. Well, many slurs, but one several. in particular that was anti-Semitic. Yes. Or the slur is anti-Semitic. Right. He was not the being con- anti-Semitic. The context that he was using it in was not. But right. it, people either way thought that it was not acceptable. And so he, ha- he went back and re-recorded the song and they p- put... Um, you know, sound effects over over the slur so that it was obscured and things like that. But also two really powerful videos that were also highly political as well. One of them was filmed in Rio de Janeiro. And at the time, they were trying to drum up support to have the Olympics in Rio. And they thought that this him bringing uh, him and Spike Lee bringing cameras into a shantytown was going to negatively affect their chances of being able to bring the Olympics there. And then also when they reshot the video, he reshot and did a sort of a, a jail treatment behind yeah. bars and he's dancing with the prisoners. All about human rights. About human rights and the injustices, all the things that he's talking about in this song. Well, he had to do um, a more literal treatment, essentially. Well, sure. Yeah. It, it's really, it really upsets me. It's like people can't analyze it and they can't receive it for some reason. It's like I read not... this is the first time in his career that he actually did a second, a second video. video treatment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this song. I think I mean, uh, real quick around Rio, though, I maybe I don't know if you saw this, but mm-hmm. um, it's recently said that now, all these years later, um, you know, that video has been credited with, um, you know, helping to improve that area yeah. in Rio. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And that's what we're talking about right here. It's we're, we're talking about artists using their fame as a platform to be able to shine light on subjects that you know, that need to be discussed or that need that need attention. And and some people like we we can go right to this next track right here by Phil Collins. Um 
people people get accused of being hypocrites because of their fame. Well, let's but introduce the song. When he came out with this track from his 1989 album, But Seriously, the name of the song is Another Day in Paradise. Probably been moved on from every really really love this song but it is um you know we, you, we talked about us checking our privilege at the beginning of the episode um he got really called out for this yeah he got slammed it's really tough it's like you're a celebrity you enjoy certain you enjoy certain luxuries and things like that you're flying around so the what's world. the song about so you it's about homelessness yeah. it's about poverty and homelessness and n- being the person walking by in the street and and taking a look at what that you know we all have that moment in our lives it's just another it's just another normal day for us but there's people suffering everywhere yeah but you can't say that you can't say that as an artist you can't acknowledge that well, that's the thing and i and i feel like you know what i always i always want to applaud people for pointing things like this out and then i also feel like we all have to be more compassionate around everyone having the, the the duality um that we've talked about on this show in different episodes um that, that people have multitudes of being within them and that we have to make space for the contradictions you know yeah. you can't just call someone a hypocrite we're all hypocrites to some degree um and it doesn't necessarily mean that phil collins is the most advanced progressive activist for issues of homelessness and issues of you know race um and maybe he's not the best advocate but if phil collins from his place can acknowledge that what he's witnessing is painful maybe that's enough for him maybe that's his contribution maybe that's what he can do like why are we judging whether or not it's enough you know I think we can ask for more I think that's fair but to villainize people for calling something out in a nice way it's just it, it rubs me the wrong way I think everybody has their aptitudes and their purposes and their their special meanings here on earth you yeah. know what I mean? And what we what we learn and what we're ge- like, you know, generally inclined to do with our lives and our persons and our abilities and our voices. If you're an artist, it's your job to be able to turn the mirror on to to culture, to the people. And it's it's like we're OK if the mirror turns on to us and we're dancing in the club with a bottle of Cristal. Right. Or we're, you know, we're partying or, or I'm yeah. in love with you or I want to have sex with you or rip off my buttons and all this shit. But. Uh, if it comes to un- things that we're uncomfortable with or are slightly critical, then all of a sudden the artist has gone too far and we're, we diminish their job and the truth of everything that they're trying to do. So, do you know, Brandy and Ray J did a cover. Yeah. And does that, because, because they're both, uh, you know, black Americans, does that, does that context transform the meaning of the song in any way? Does it legitimize the meaning? Does that make it okay? Well, I, I don't know. know. Has Brandy been an advocate for homelessness other Listen. than this song? She's led a certain lifestyle since she was about 14 years old. She came out with her debut album, and I'm sure her brother has been has enjoyed an offshoot of that. You know what I mean? So she's also been a celebrity herself. Right. You know? So, but but yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. You know about what I'm saying? I don't project, know. Urban Renewal. That yeah. Came out with all of those R&B. Uh, and by concerts. the way, Brandy may have given millions to great causes. I have no idea. This isn't about her. I'm just asking the question. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I really love the Stargate remix of that track. Like it's. 
so awesome. Mm. I don't. I, I, I don't know if I've on, heard that. Yeah, it's, I think it's on the maxi single for that, but I remember that track. One other thing on this track yeah. is, or on this song, mm-hmm. um, is that it was also um, performed on American Idol by one of the contestants, David Archuleta, oh. many years ago. Yeah. Um, and David Archuleta is interesting because he is Mormon, mm-hmm. and I just think in the context of this song, it also brings up this other interesting layer when we start talking about social justice and politics, which is that um, you know religion can be. So so uh, polarizing for people to use that. We're going to use polarizing probably a lot in this yeah. episode, but because in some ways it can be the cause of oppression and sometimes violence and all sorts of not great things. On the other hand, religion can inspire people to to do a lot of wonderful things and to give back in a lot of wonderful ways. And so it's a real interesting uh, thing to sort of, uh, I don't know, to, to receive. He's been doing a lot of missionary work. Correct. Yeah. He's been doing a lot of missionary work and he's he's very public about his faith. And I just – for me, I think it's interesting because as a gay man, I, I'm very trepidatious and skeptical around some of those larger organized religions that don't seem to be as welcoming of all humans. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the ability to be able to think critically about it and pull from it the the truths and the, the rules of it that mean something to you and forego whatever discrimination or negative right. connotations of it, then more power to you and go right the hell ahead. Right. That's what I have. So to it's say. just it, right. And yeah. I guess so it's just it was interesting to me to know that you sort of have Phil Collins who's criticized because maybe his politics don't align with the meaning of the song. And then you have somebody like a David Archuleta where I feel like there's the part of his faith that's all about doing good works that is completely in alignment with the meaning of a song like this, but that faith also has a lot of other, you know, things that probably aren't as helpful going on. Can I bring up another track that that has a little bit to do with sort of pop music and political energy sort of having to do with possibly their undermining. Yeah. Okay, so one of my favorite groups from the 90s was D-Light. Do you remember D-Light? Oh my gosh, Lady Keir, yes. of course. So the follow-up to their We've debut, had a D-Light song on the show we before. We haven't yet, and I'm yes, so we glad. Have. To be, we have? Didn't we have a D-Light song we, on Groove the... Groove is in the heart, yeah. was, but it didn't. we didn't talk about it. <gasps> we didn't talk about it. Uh-huh. So we're talking about her now. Okay. We're talking about Miss Keir. The name of the album is Infinity Within. The name of the song is Buddy Daddy Jim. know that this song exists. I have not heard this song This is an album track from Infinity Within. Um, D-Light, first of all, is uh, comprised of Dimitri Brill. He's from Russia. Lady Keir Kirby. She's from New York and Tawatai. He's from Japan. Um, And it was written with Michael Franti and Danny Madden. And Michael Franti is is this rapper and musician and poet and a spoken word artist um, who fuses hip-hop with other genres. And he's known for a lot of these type of political hip-hop protest songs. He's toured with House of Pain, Rage Against the Machine, Nirvana, and Arrested Development, who are also featured prominently on Infinity Within. And we should talk about their song next. But um, yeah, this song, so Horns by Maceo Parker. Um, he was a, an artist who worked with James Brown in Parliament, Parliament Funkadelic, and later on Prince. Guitar by Bootsy Collins, huge legendary, legendary guitar player. Also James Brown, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, all these people he worked for. He was in the Groove is in the Heart video with the funky sunglasses on. Do you remember? Um, D-Light... Had a huge one hit, you know, smash with Groove is in the Heart and they yeah. came out with this album with Guns Blazing. Yeah. 
um, right on the cover, I'm, I'm, we're holding the album in our hand right now. At, on the cover, in the lower left-hand corner, it says, let's face it, it's a pro-choice album. Right. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and I think I, I was reading about how, you know, it's interesting. I, I love this. But, you know, when you took their first album, World Click, mm-hmm. and then it, the inspiration for this was really about taking these global big issues and then making them personal and has, mm-hmm. saying it all starts with right you. here with you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Which I love. In order to be able to be a responsible, active, like, participating member of this world click global community you have to there are actions that you need to take yeah and i remember what i remember when um they were on mtv performing their lead single runaway from this album at the end of it they're being interviewed and lady kira's talking about how i wish kids would get out and vote yep. that's the number one most important thing that you can do and i felt like watching that here and i think it was the 20 2015 that i was watching it and i was like wow if somebody went on the news today like if, if taylor swift went on the news and told people to vote or like maybe not taylor I swift think some of them like, do they are part of campaigns but it's not in their sh- music sh- it's not a right. part of their art it's like i have my spokesperson hat on now and so i'm gonna go do this psa and whatever but it's not driving their art it's not written on the album cover right and let's talk about the album cover they yeah. received awards for the innovation of this album cover I, I you can't really see it right now but basically the way that um it was put together it um CDs used to come in these cardboard boxes that allowed them to be displayed prominently in formerly uh, vinyl record bins. Yep. And so there was all this excess like uh, cardboard packaging and Delight got an award and were recognized for the way that they designed their jewel box to be like a sort of self-contained um package called you know? an eco pack eco pack and they got <laughs> um and it was just all along the lines of what they were trying to preach with this with this album what they were trying to say this song uh, touches on it touches on um money in politics it touches on recycling it touches on the, the media being out of control and sensationalizing things it touches on it touches on everything. Well, it's really about criminal justice as well. And yeah. just the, ina- well, the, ina- the Yeah, the inequities of the criminal justice system. Totally. But it's yeah. just all in there. And it's like, this is a pop song. And so much of what they did from that point on, well, throughout their career, has involved issues of social justice in their really fun, really transcendental, like, cartoony dance music. And yeah. I just was so in it. So in it. Lady Kira is one of the most influential figures in my life. And I feel like really she doesn't get the credit that she deserves for what she has done for pop music. Completely, I yeah. agree. And really, the whole what 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 she championed that that helped make the '90s such a tremendously active political era in pop music, in particular. Yeah, absolutely. She was. So where are we going next? Time. Where are we going next? Okay, um, there was I a wanna... lead that you wanted. To... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh... Arrested Development. Oh, my God. Talk about your Arrested of course. Development song. Yes. So this is actually a good link to the, the track before Around Another Day in Paradise. I wanted to talk about um, the incredible song, Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell has tried to warn us about our ways, but we don't hear him talk. Is it his fault when we've gone too far and we got too far because of him we've walked? Mr. Wendell, a man, a human in flesh, but not by law. I feed you dignity to stand with pride, realize it all in all. You stand tall. Go ahead, Mr. Wendell. Yeah. Okay, so were you in love with the rest of development like I was? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they were, they sort of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in fact, the title of their 
album three years, five months, and two days in the life of was a reference to how long it took them to get to get the album. The album. album. Yeah. Well, no, to get a contract, a recording contract. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was about how long they were trying. So you know, they were really an answer to some of what was happening in. Um, in hip hop at the time. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted to speak to some issues that mattered to them and to talk about, um, you know, spirituality and to talk about, um, peace. And, and Mr. Wendell was about, you know, compassion and about, you know, homelessness, like what we were talking about before. And, um, it's just, I guess what really struck me at the end of the day is in that moment in time, it was amazing that you could have a song that was just so blatantly about, um, you know, not turning a blind eye and, and, and sort of celebrating your fellow human being become just a hit. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's the truth that resonates. I always say that. That's like my mantra here, but it's like, it's about something that's real that everybody can relate to. Um, I am so pro like Afrocentrism in hip hop. I love the whole mental turn that, that hip hop took in the early nineties. Um, I couldn't be more in love with Arrested Development and speech and the way that he delivers. It's yeah. it's not it's not like I'm he's shouting. It's like it's his name is Speech. I yeah. mean like it's like we're having a conversation. And, and you know, exactly even like even the song Tennessee, I mean I was a pretty I was a pretty young kid, frankly, when this came out. Mm-hmm. But um I wasn't completely aware of what I was listening to. But it's just so cool they were able to make music that just um penetrated consciousness in this way and that everyone could sort of rally behind it. And then, you know, as I got older and understood what the song was, it's even so much more rewarding. You know what I mean? And that's, that's like, that's great art, right? You can dive in more and it can keep on, you know, inspiring, giving you, you giving mm-hmm. it back to you at deeper levels. Yeah. Do you remember? I, I've always talked about on this show that famous yellow tape that I had with deeper and deeper and Whitney Houston and I'm every woman, <laughs> you know, and this was on the flip side of it. I had a recording of Casey's top 40, Casey Kasem from 96 TICFM. And he uh-huh. was like, this is Mr. Wendell. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I remember that. I, another thing I remember about this song and this group is that, uh, it was brought up several times on Clarissa explains it all, but that was like her favorite group. <sighs> of course. And I, I can imagine. Clarissa explains it all. Clarissa Darling was like the face of sort of like liberal, like sort of like like open-minded, yeah. cool girl, and it and it's just it's such just, a further tragedy. Oh, of what, I know what it has turned out to be. That Melissa Joan Hart is unfortunately In not this, Clarissa. Yeah, <laughs> not by but a You know what? Shot. She has a right not to be. Totally. I just totally. wish that Clarissa existed. I wish that she was a real person in the world. Me too. Melissa Joan Hart is right there next to Stacey Dash and her, you know, sort of, they have a right to their opinion, but. Stacey Dash might be a little bit more eccentric. <laughs> so do you have another track? Oh my God, I have a million, but I would love to talk about one of my, you know, old faithfuls, a group that I always love to talk about, but I want to talk about the one and only Erasure and the very um, dramatic and intense drama. Another 
drama is dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> It's a great oh, song. God. I'm so glad that you it's put this on. It's a great song, and I know that you have quite a history with I this song. I want you to go. I want you to go first, and I will. I'll wrap it up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first single um, that Erasure had off of Wild, um, which was really the follow up to their really, really uh, popular album, The Innocence. Mm-hmm. And um, what I love about this song is that it is right in the midst of the HIV AIDS moment, it's calling out the fact that, um, we have a society where we're asking um, people to play by different rules, where we're making these very harsh judgments about what's okay for one person and isn't okay for someone else. And um, I don't know that it was wildly successful, uh, you know, as a real pop record in America, um, but it's just um, straightforward and 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 strong. I, I derive from this the really powerful um, golden rule of doing unto others. I I was trying to figure out what the video was about everybody dumping plastic on them in, in an alley. I I don't know if that yeah. was just like, sort of a weird visual or if that had a deeper meaning and I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, but. I mean, the video is weird if anyone wants to check it out on YouTube. Um I, look, I think that while we all sort of know what the what the song and the and, and the message of it is all about, I think they couldn't be quite so direct in the video, especially at that time as sure. a group that was, um, you know, at least in the UK at the top of the charts, right? Yeah. So I, I think that they use being literally just like trashed on as a as a oh, means of go. yeah. I mean, that's what I think See, it was. It went right over Miss Vicky's head. Oh, it's the wig that happens it's too tight. <laughs> anyway, well, I have. I, I, I have extremely visceral reactions to this song, even just from hearing the opening like bells of this song as it starts, because back when we were in our college days, I was in a dance to this that was recreating. It, it started with an interlude that recreated the events of, of Laramie and Matthew Shepard. And I was cast in the role of Matthew Shepard. And there was a, a whole production that included fight choreography. It was really, it was really emotional. And in, yeah. Um, in rehearsal for this number, I got pun- a, a punch actually connected and scarred me uh, like underneath my lip. There was blood everywhere. So every time I hear this song, and it's yeah. crazy with what it's about, I feel this twinge in my body. You and feel I the actual pain. I do. I, do. Oh I mean, it's, granted, it's different. But I mean, especially like the craziness of who I was portraying in that moment and then doing it on stage after having experienced that. Oh my that gosh. added another layer of like, holy crap, this is so real and so crazy. So you know. we should say the choreography was by Brian Sanders. Yeah, who's um, the, the, his company is Junk in Philadelphia, and he's incredibly innovative. He's a, a genius. He's fantastic. You know? And I will say, as someone who was watching that piece from the audience, um, on, it, the, it, he did a phenomenal job of bringing that song to life. It was really stunning um, to watch. It, the other thing is I've had the, you know, I've been able to see them in small club environments. And when they play this song, the entire audience is part of this mob chant shouting guilty. And um, it's really intense. Yeah. It's really emotional and really intense and super powerful. Well, I think while we're in this sort of British sort of Euro dance mode, we should talk about another group that that has a very similar feeling. Uh, the name of the song, the, it's from the the first single from Some Great Reward from 1984. The name of the song is People Are People. No, 
I love this track. And of course, this was um, after Vince Clark had already left Depeche Mode, but we have that, you know, Depeche Mode erasure tie through Vince. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was introduced to this song via RuPaul on the Red Hot album. Of course, yeah. She did this with Tom Trujillo. It's a great version. Yeah, yeah. And, and then actually a really amazing remix of it is out there um, that I really love when she did her uh, Red Hot remix. Um, but yeah, this was this was like uh, an unexpected LGBT anthem. It wasn't originally intended as one, was it? I, no, no, I don't think it was about. It wasn't LGBT specific. It yeah. was just um, about accepting other people. I mean, I believe the the songwriter Martin Gore has said that he actually doesn't love the song because it's too on the nose. It's really literal, yeah. yeah. And he likes a little bit more of like a nuance or a little bit of a more of like an under under the surface message, right? But as we've said in this show before. Sometimes you have to bang people over the head with something. Yeah. Well, and this is quite literal. We can all relate. I mean, hopefully not all of us relate, but a lot of us have experienced violence being members, being queer people, being members of this community. So we all know what he says. You're punching and you're kicking and you're shouting at me. I mean, it sounds silly, but it, it can drum up a lot of really... Um, visceral memories for us and also we can kind of get unified or united underneath that pain and 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 it comes out on the dance floor this is a huge dance hit we're all dancing together in the 80s to this song um, and it's a way for us to be able to get all of that crap out of our systems and 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 be in love with each other you know I, I it's it's a wonderful example of taking that pain and turning it into something positive and productive yeah, and and collective for all of us. And I know? love that with the with the RuPaul version, it becomes just a lot of fun too. Yeah, the the version that I like is the Craig C Radio, and there's also this really long one. It's called Giuseppe D's Retroactive Club, and mm-hmm. it's like 11 minutes long. But it's like I can remember in Philadelphia going down to Chrome when they mm-hmm. used to have Gay Night at Chrome right there on the water, and then playing the full remix of that song and just like dancing and sweating it out until two in the morning to people are people you know and i think that in those contexts sometimes people really want to divorce any kind of um, political messaging from their fun or their Mm -hmm. entertainment and for me i mean i remember dancing to this song too in different moments i don't think with you at chrome but um having this song on and and i I, for me it makes me i i really get into it like i love being able to sort of let loose and and also feel like i'm part of a, a message yeah i love it yeah, it's like being part of Rhythm Nation. Yeah, our own little <laughs> Rhythm Nation. Your, you take your place amongst amongst the crowd. Totally, and then and then dancing in the club, especially as a gay guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's gotten better today, obviously, but but when we look at the history of queer people, you know, dancing in the club was has been such a political act. Oh, sure. Um, just the ability to do that. In fact, I should say I, it's completely relevant now because I want to say what city is it in California where a judge just said the police had to stop raiding. Um, some gay bars. There were there were some raids going on where they thought there was some public sex happening. I don't know the details on this, so we'd have to fact check it if for me to talk further about it. But okay. it's it's still it a relevant issue. Yeah, for it sure. Totally for sure. Totally um, can I totally throw out something random? Yeah, go. Okay, so this is totally random, but I want to mention. Um, a song that's really about um, women and and about women taking their taking their place as far as owning their right to their story. And this is Shania Twain's Black Eyes Blue Tears. I'd rather die standing than live on my knees begging please. 
goodness. When when you I had not heard this song before. Oh really? No, well, I see, hadn't. And let me before you say your reaction because I want to hear it. I just want to make the point that this is from obviously the Come On Over album that was broke a million records. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just for years. Twelve it was, singles. Well, this doesn't say out of the original sixteen tracks, they released twelve singles. Tellingly, this was not one of them. Yeah. Give me your reaction. Holla. Well, I mean. We, we, uh, I, <laughs> I can't even formulate words. Yeah. Do you see me? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course not. Of course it's not. Yeah. And that's that's the travesty. Right. And what I love about this is, right, it's in it's in the country idiom. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's it's speaking to an audience where there is, frankly, you know, no offense to to anyone from, you know, these places, but there is a little bit of just an a uh, a consensual sort of understanding that you know women have a lower position than men. I feel like it's a it's a culture, especially in country music, where um, there you know a woman can claim her power through sex mm-hmm. or through like revenge. Yeah. Um. But but never never you know walking away with their head held high. Well, it's not. And, it's never inherently just hers to have. Right. Right. It has to be something that's won back or claimed or you know taken or. Demanded, you know, and in this case, she had to, she had to come out of a, of a, you know, she said, I'd rather die standing than live on my knees. Vicky, that is the exact quote I have pulled out in my notes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It is just, um, it's a really, really beautiful song. Shania, this was like the, this was the album that she ended up collaborating exclusively with her husband at the time, Mutt Lang, um, who, if anyone's followed the Shania Twain story, they had a very weird, terrible divorce where they basically spouse swapped. Um, wow. with, with these friends. Yeah, not like on purpose. Basically, the, the, the tea on that is, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mutt ended up having an affair with Shania's best friend. And then Shania and the best friend's husband, who were sort of left behind, they sort of came together to comfort each other because their spouses had disappeared and ended up marrying. That's so, kind of beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, I think so. I hope, I hope everyone's happy. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. Can I talk about, uh, uh, a female artist that I have a lot of respect for who I feel like everything she does is political. That's here. Um, her name's Erica Badu. All right. And this track that I've chosen is called The Healer. No, I hadn't actually heard this song before. I don't know that I've heard much Erica since Tyrone. Yeah. Um, but tell me all about this. Okay, so it's from her album New America Part 1, Fourth World War from 2008. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, in the song, she's she makes a, all these huge declarations. She states all of the names for God. that There are Hamdilila, Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, all of these names of God and claims that hip-hop is bigger than all of them. It's bigger than religion, and it's bigger than the government. Um, I think that this idea here has been central to her philosophy throughout all of her music. She's done an incredible amount of political, social commentary in all the work that she's done. There's so many tracks. I just want to bang some out real quick. Other Side of the Game from 1997, about humanizing the families of those pursuing illegal activities as a result of a broken system. Um, And its sequel, Danger, in 2003, 
after that person's arrest. Penitentiary philosophy in 2000, it's a devastating, devastating metaphor for being trapped in anger about poverty and the weakening of wills against these insurmountable odds that we face. And then Soldier in 2008 from this album, touching on how injustices can change the course of a well-meaning life. You know what I mean? This album was widely lauded as one of the year's best albums in 2008. And the whole production from cover to cover is just really about the plight of the African-American community. It's a, it's a Marvin Gaye level sort yeah. of commentary on, on where we're at. You know what I mean? She has, there is no question that you can, any observer of her work at all has a clear understanding of her point of view. And, um, you know, again, like I haven't followed her career as closely, but, um, but she's an amazing talent. And I think she's spot on with how, you know, hip hop particularly has been able to, um, has been a channel for so many people to share their voice on some really important topics. Yeah, well, and just what she's saying about hip-hop being a metaphor for art in general, which yeah. is that art is bigger than the government, than religion, than these systems that we set up to rule ourselves by. Yeah. The people are going to move in this way or that way, that direction based on the truth. You know, and I love that she is this always like emerging this priestess for this point of view. I yeah. love her so much. I think she's one of the most important and innovative artists that we've had since being alive. Holla. Here, here. What do you have next for me? Oh, my gosh. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end and there's there's a bunch to talk about. I mean, I actually took a sneak peek at your list and I feel like while we're talking about Erica, yeah. you just mentioned Marvin. We should talk about Marvin. Okay. Go for it. Well, give me, give me your Marvin track. Um, the Marvin track that I had was Inner City Blues. Money, we make it. For we see it, you take it. Oh, make me want to holler the way they do my life. Make me want to holler the way they do my life. This I live, this I live. So basically, yeah, I mean, Inner City Blues off of the What's Going On, you know, just phenomenal opus, opus album. Yeah. Um, what's Going On is was, I don't know, it's, it's really unlike anything else that's out there. Sure. Sure. And everybody compares, our, everybody compares what Janet was doing with the juxtaposition of like Janet and Rhythm Nation to what Marvin Gaye had done with What's Going On. And let's get it on. Uh-huh. And going from he's he's this huge soul singer singing a lot of love songs. He was really he partnered a lot with with was it Diana Ross that he partnered a lot. I with? think so. Um, and then all of a sudden he comes out with this hugely political album where he is airing his. His his gripes, his you know, I can't pay the pay the bills. I'm 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 up to my eyeballs in taxes. But I can't talk about political. I mean, this whole episode is supposed to be about you know about about you know political artists and artists fighting for social justice. This one album, I think, hits almost every issue. Yeah, <laughs> there is there is a song that touches almost every issue that could impact a, a human being's life, which is really breathtaking. Totally, and I, I mean, I think this isn't. I mean, Inner City Blues. Um, is, is, a, is a great track on its face. There's also, you know, Mercy, Mercy Me is a song unlike any other. I don't know if there's ever been a song about the environment that's as soul-stirring as Mercy, Mercy Me. Sure. Sure, I completely agree. Yeah, and, and it does break your heart. And, you know, if you're not listening to the lyrics and taking them for face value, you're hearing a, a love song and you're hearing almost a breakup song. 
Yeah, you know? except you're actually breaking up with the planet. With the planet, <laughs> yeah. Well, in a lot of these artists, it's like we're vessels. We're we're um we're creatures of empathy and and understanding. And like you know, we talked about Michael Jackson, his heal the world. That the, you feel pain when you see injustice or when you see um when you see devastation and and destruction to the planet, the environment that we're living in. It's like a you're a vessel through which the pain of the earth goes through and it's a beautiful thing but also like it's a it's a large responsibility to bear as an artist my god so we have to have appreciation for people who are brave enough to talk about it yeah and to voice that pain and to be a bearer of that so that we can see it and and look inside ourselves to see what our actions need to be you know what i'm saying yeah i think in the contemporary moment there is just such a critique on people, you know, blatantly or intentionally infusing their art with a political message that we're just supposed to not trust that because, uh, because, you know, it's sort of the flip. It's sort of a perversion of Erica Badu's point where she's making this point that, you know, art supersedes all these systems. And so it inherently speaks to the politics of being human. That That's at least my take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people say politics is for, you know, the, the people in the muck and art shouldn't touch it, which means that we can't comment on anything besides basically like, you know, falling in love or falling out of love. Yeah. And, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think no. it's ridiculous. Um, I would love to talk about one more thing Go. topic with you yeah. so this is a really random song um, but it brings up an issue around language that I know Vic you and I have had some disagreements on over the years so this is a super random LGBT well gay frankly two gay men um, folk duo from the 80s and 90s uh, called Romanovsky and Phillips and the song is called Be Political Not Polite wrongs of human rights The risk you take could save a life Silence keeps us all in darkness We can't change it Yeah, it's really random. I don't even know if it's that good of a song. It's not a good song. <laughs> but it says a lot about who you are. Well, I, I, yes, thank you. It does. Um, the chorus um, is, you know, right the wrongs of human rights. The risk you take can save a life. And then they sing silence keeps us all in darkness. Mm-hmm. And basically saying it's on every person to be brave enough to to, to speak out when they're hearing something that is um apolitical that is that is offensive mm-hmm. um to others i think the tricky part and why i wanted to talk about it with you is that um there's a fine line right and i think there's certainly you hear about you know the pcification of our culture you hear about people being admonished and, and language policed to a degree that is really frustrating and so where's the balance right i mean that's what this is what i struggle with when i think about my own life and then the language i use is i want to be deeply respectful and and be a champion advocate for everyone and at the same time it can be really confining when you are micro analyzing every syllable um there has to be some context involved and some heart and and and, uh 
thought about before people make assumptions and accusations. But it's tricky. I think there has to be some middle ground. I think we always talk about wanting to have these discussions. But the truth is, if we want to actually sit down and engage into these discussions, then there there needs to be some language that has, you know, that that's going to have to come with some context. Do you know right. what I mean? But if we if we're cons- if we're if it's a taboo situation and there's places we can't go and corners of our mind that are that are they're they're based on shared trauma, they're based on pain and hurt and experience and things that were that were put on us that we all got to this earth with that we didn't ask for. Do you know what I'm saying? All of us um, on both on both and all sides of, of the spectrum. Um, we have to we have to meet each other in the middle a little bit and trust each other enough to be able to get to the other side of this thing to be able to to be able to engage in some language and some and some conversation. We all we, we keep talking about want to have this conversation, but it's it's tough to right. Well, it is. I mean, you look. We've talked about it throughout this episode when you have Michael Jackson making apologies mm-hmm. and when you have you know Marilyn Manson having to you know uh, the, you know essentially make apologies or yeah. you know defend defend that work. I mean, it, it's 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 hard because who has the responsibility to uh, of the message, right? Yeah. Whose responsibility is the message? Is it the artist and their intention and for them to feel confident in that intention? Or is it that we have to create work that is so, you know, safe and prescriptive that every person, you know, feels completely unthreatened by it? it it's tricky. And I'll even say this playlist is interesting because there are many political songs that I frankly didn't put on here because I was concerned I wouldn't be able to, in an articulate way, convey why they were important to me and I was concerned people would misinterpret and I yeah. didn't include them. Brendan, we have we have conversations off the record constantly about what we're how we're going what the stuff that we're saying and how it's going to be interpreted and whether or not it we're going to be understood. It's about it's about you and I bearing our hearts, you know, on on record about how we really feel and I think the two of us are people that like you always say like we want to embrace the largest amount of people. We're we're coming from a good place. But it's tough to do it sometimes. You know what? I, something I noticed about this track, and it, I notice it in you, is when there's something that's incorrect factually, you immediately correct it. Like if I something comes out of my mouth and you know that it's not right, immediately you correct it, or you make an effort to make sure that that the the people have the right information. Is that annoying? No, not at all. <laughs> I think that it's so interesting. You grew up listening to music like this, and this is what you was being. like uploaded into you and it's something that you now you live by and i think that's wonderful and that's like if you can start from that place like at least let's get everything on an even keel in terms of like these are the facts then that's a great place to start yeah it is and i think even i I, yes i completely agree and i think it's interesting when you even um at the beginning of the episode mentioned you know checking our privilege based on you know some specific types i think what's interesting about the privilege conversation is that inherently to me there is some um there's a value assigned to each person's experience Mm -hmm. um that's what privilege means right um but what it doesn't take into account are the actual specific human lives that have been lived so 
of course, there are these macro realities around what it means to be white in America versus black or Latino um, or or Asian American. Um, you know, there are, the, there are these macro realities, but then there's the micro experience of the individual human, and we can't always assume that one person, because of the way they look or the way they identify, has had a specific um, you know journey through life. Mm-hmm. I just think, I, you know, and, and so I don't know where I'm going with that point. No, but um, that's that's something that, that's a good. <laughs> Thing to close on and to remember yeah you know, when you're talking to somebody and you're meeting them for the first time hashtag you don't know my journey hashtag you don't know my journey and <laughs> and i would love to and i would love to as we you know as we exit here i'd love to go out with imagine by john lennon because i think that is a song that is such a cliche and there's been 165 bajillion covers of it um but it actually is really powerful and uh really effective and it's advocating for this communitarian philosophy of you know we're all people without all of these systems as erica was talking about um and the way that you know successfully that john lennon and apparently yoko who greatly inspired the writing of that song um you know the the way that that message is able to be communicated through the power of that song i mean i think it's one of the most successful political songs out there absolutely yeah simplicity and yeah. it's uni- universality. Is that a right word? Is that a Yeah, word? and I think he has a really good um, – there's some quote where he basically says something to the effect of um, – yeah, let me just read this quote on our way out. He said uh, – uh, talking about the song's appeal, he says, it's anti-religious, anti-nationalistic, anti-conventional, anti-capitalistic, but because it's sugar-coated, it's accepted. And now I understand what you have to do. Put your political message across with a little honey. So, honey, <laughs> that's yes. what I hope we've tried to do. I don't know if we did that today, actually. It's a spoonful of sugar. I don't know. I think there's enough sugar between us. <laughs> all right. Well, this was um, this was really interesting. Yeah. Clearly, we could talk about this all day long. Totally um, and enlightening, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful. Episode. I know. Let's not be afraid of these conversations or afraid of being political. Amen. I don't think we are, but I'd encourage everyone not to be. Holla. <laughs> all right. Peace. Bye. If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our Make Say playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.